Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated to helping you create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gifts, experience, and your skills. I'm grateful today to have a special guest with me today, uh, Doug Thorpe. Doug, welcome to the show. Hi, Kellen. I'm glad to be here. So, the, one of the first things I always like to ask uh, people is because this, you know, the premise of the show is to help people discover who they really are and to serve with their gifts and follow their intuitions and so forth. So, how does Doug uh, add good to the world? What is Doug about? Well, it's a great question, Kellen, and I, too, have been a fan of the notion of finding your purpose and living it to its full because too often people go down a path and they're they're not fulfilled that way. So for me, it is about finding a better way to help people break down whatever barriers or frustrations they may be facing and connect with their own sense of purpose. And I've got several tools and ideas on how to do that, and we can talk about those later. But uh, that's really what what I try to do for folks. And specifically, what my own business is about is helping business owners and managers become better leaders. Why do you suppose, like, the, the language, the jargon of, of coaches and mentors, all that sort of thing is, you know, get past your limiting beliefs, break down the barriers, get rid of the obstacles, you know, that sort of languaging. What is it about either our existence, our lives, our society, our framework that creates all those barriers? Like, why is this such a project? And it seems to be, but I'm just wondering why you think this is such a project for people to get past those barriers we talk about so much. I firmly believe it's a function of uh, two things. It's either early stage programming and classic example, dad was a doctor, I've got to go to medical school and be a doctor. And and that course is set. And and people subject themselves to all of that even though that that young lad or lady may better be served being an entertainer or a dancer or an artist or something else, not a doctor. But nonetheless, they go to medical school, they comply. So that's kind of the first element. The second element is a little bit more, I guess I'll go so far as to call the word evolutionary. And I... I I look at people's stages of life, uh, of life as in, in several phases. It's, I call it wage, page, and sage. And what I mean by that is inevitably, when you plot people's journey in life, the first big chapter is earning a wage. Go to school, get a job, get started, become an adult. And there's always money associated with that. 
make your own way sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. our popular Western culture standard. So that's all about earning the wage. Well, then you begin to turn pages in your life, and that's where the page part comes. And you add chapters to life, getting married, having children, maybe moving a few times, transferring around, maybe even changing jobs. And you start building those other kinds of life experiences. And inevitably, the challenge is once you get on that roller coaster and you choose a path, it becomes hard to get off that roller coaster. It, it, it becomes hard to just say, stop, I'm getting off, I'm going another direction. There are some wonderful people that are able to do that and have done that. And as I recall, in your background, you've, you've got a version of that that you talk about. But for most people, they don't have the, the courage or the guts to say, stop the merry-go-round, I want to get off. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is the sage, and that's when you've lived a few years, you've you've collected some experiences, and you finally get to that place in life. You say to yourself, "You know, I know better. I've I've figured some of these things out. I've made my own mistakes. I now can hopefully share wisdom with others." And that's where a lot of us, you know, get to that stage in life, and and we earnestly try to help those that are younger than us, not quite so far down the track yet, help guide them to connect with that sense of purpose and, and really do the work that is going to be more fulfilling and, and lead to a, a richer, more blessed life. You know, it's interesting I, that that stuckness on the track, you know, you get on the track and you, you end up doing something for 10, 20, 30 years or some long period of time because that's the track you're on. You can't figure out how to get off. Um, the the world, I mean, you look at COVID, you look at the crash of 2008, you know, the externalities that have sort of uh, imposed structural change. I remember that after 2008 at a church that I went to, there was a ton of unemployment and people talking to others about job opportunities and where they could go find. And the conversation a lot was around, you know, the job that I used to have doesn't exist anymore. So that was sort of a forced restructuring and COVID with remote work and the availability of, you know, that kind of stuff, change things again. Do you think it's any easier now to jump the track than it was 20 or 30 years ago? Or is it still just uh, something that only a few people do? I, I do think the incidence of people jumping the track or stopping the train is, is far more prevalent. Um, we had the phenomenon associated with COVID called the Great Resignation, where people in droves and by the literal thousands were saying, enough. And and whether it was a function of company leadership or company culture or situational challenge, people said, enough. I was speaking with someone just this week, and you know they were pointing to the idea of a, accepting a four-hour round-trip commute every day is not going to happen again. People aren't going to be willing to invest that kind of personal time holding a job. They would rather quit the job and go find something else that doesn't make them do that anymore. So I think the willingness to jump the track and, and make that change 
basically set a boundary and put your foot down, I think is f- much more prevalent than it once was. And even going back just as recently, and I know it's a relative term, but you pointed out the crash of 2008, and that's where I really first got my view of this. I created a nonprofit organization to help job seekers, those that were part of the 15% of unemployment in the country. And we began coaching people on how to, how to reshape their path and, and reset their purpose so that they could go find something that was more uh, a better match for what they wanted to do. You know, there's those externalities that impose that. And then there's also at least what feels to me like some kind of an upwelling of foot putting down, you know, people saying, I I don't want to live this. I I just was coaching a client this morning who's describing his dad who worked very hard, took very few vacations, made very considerable money, and now is suddenly facing in mid-70s a severe health decline. And had quit working three or four years ago, but only three or four years ago at 72 or something. And now in a place where, you know, looking back at it, the whole picture, it's a horrifying set of choices that have limited those kinds of opportunities. So I think all of that is creating that putting down the foot kind of thing that you're talking about. I want to move to uh, your leadership. So in the process of helping people reshape, you know, jump the track, reshape, even though they were thrown off the track. Okay, fine. Uh, talk about the process you use to help people, well, maybe help companies with their leadership or help people take self-leadership. Tell, little, tell us a little bit about what you do, how that works, and uh, about your passion there. Yeah, in a, in a pure business sense, uh, there's a phenomenon that happens that is, um, is challenging for the way things work. And that is this, when a company, let's, let's take a good-sized company, they've got, I'll pick a number, let's say they got 50 employees. So the owner goes out and says, I want to create a supervisor for this particular team over here. They, what do they do? They look around the team and they go, ah, you're the best. You're the best salesperson. You're the best accountant. You're the best processor, whatever. You're the best on that group. So we're going to make you the supervisor. Congratulations. You know, poof, now you got responsibility for the whole team. Well, a lot of times all that gets accomplished is the owner ruins their best person for that task. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But if that person steps up and begins trying to learn what it is to be a supervisor, they figure out some management responsibilities and they start performing that way. They may actually do it well, and and they get recognized again, and they get promoted again, and so now they're on the management track. They're they're off and running on a career of management. And fast forward to a slightly bigger company, this can happen multiple times in a career, but never once was the subject of leadership mentioned. You you were shown expectations as a manager. You were given the numbers you had to produce. You were given the parameters you were supposed to operate in and the expectations of your team, but seldom was ever mentioned about what it means to be a leader, not just a manager. And that's really where I come in. I, I 
you know, there's a popular phrase in business, people don't quit companies, they quit bosses. Mm -hmm. And that has been <clears throat> urban lore and legend for decades, and certainly my whole adult life. It's been true, and it continues, sadly. So how is a business supposed to change that? Well, I argue that teaching those managers that get appointed to do that job, they need to learn what real leadership is and the difference between management and leadership. And I have a very simple phrase I borrowed from a, a, an old friend and colleague. The phrase goes like this, management is about process, but leadership is about people. And if you as a manager are not thinking about ways to connect with and maximize the effort from your people, you are simply going to be managing for the rest of your life. You're, you might make numbers happen, but a lot of people that come and go are not necessarily going to be happy working for you. You know, one of the things that people talk about all the time, and I'm sure you see this as a coach also, is they work for however long, 10, 20, 30 years, some number of years in a big company. Everybody calls it, you know, being in corporate. And then they say, you know, I was a cog in a machine. There wasn't any fulfillment, any job satisfaction. I didn't really know what the heck we were doing, you know, that sort of language. And I think that that, you know, is directly related, at least partly to what you have talked about, about the leadership that they have. So if someone, if a company hires you and says, we've got, a group of leaders, uh, supposed to be leaders, managers, people are getting ready to promote and we need to work on that leadership. How do you go about helping people understand the difference that you've described, process versus people, and then waking up the, both the sensitivities and the skills needed to make that change? What I like to do, and I, I do this with virtually every one of my clients where I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, I, I ask them to think about examples of people in management, but people that have demonstrated really admirable leadership skill in one form or another. And, and let's start the dialogue with thinking about some examples of people that you really respected, you really admired, you would have run through a brick wall for them. And the question is why? What did they do that was so different and so compelling? And the interesting thing in having that discussion is 99 times out of 100, the very attributes that somebody identifies that they respect is in fact something they already have some capacity to do. So it starts setting a really nice foundation to have a personal discussion about their own leadership approach and their own leadership style. Okay. So I, I get that and I love that because getting people, you know, in touch with, aware of the things that they that really were attractive to them uh, and then exploring how they either have or develop or have some of that characteristic already. Obviously, leadership goes way beyond a role in a company and the characteristics or attitudes of leadership uh, are motivators and, in fact, indicators of success in life in other areas. So how do you what do you do to help people realize the absolute transferability of those valuable characteristics that they start identifying? 
Well, we, we start with that identification just to kind of prime the pump on the thinking and, and the awareness of the difference between leadership and management and, and the potential value that working some elements of that bona fide leadership can do for a person. And generally what we start with is trying to identify some immediate wins. If, if, if you change this one thing in what you're doing in your role and in your responsibility and, and made it be more leadership-like, and I'm sorry, I'm doing air quotes for those on the video, um, what value could that create for your team, for your people? And we, we try to identify some early opportunity for wins. And, 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 you know, there are examples, things like, well, the way I communicate needs to change. You know, I, I, I recognize I'll, I'll declare that I may be prone to talk down to my people. And when I think about people I've admired, they don't talk down to me. They, you know, they count me as a peer and they make me feel like I'm worthy and all of that. So, so they begin connecting dots with these opportunities for early wins. And then we continue to sort of build the framework of leadership value that they want to bring to the table. And basically, I ask the question, how do you want to show up and get them to really lock in on that vision of their own leadership ability? I love that question. How do you want to show up? How do you want to walk through the world? You know, when people talk about you and you're not there, what do you want the truth to be? You know, all different versions of that same thing. I, I want to just sort of jump out of company leadership as valuable and important as that is and to take a different twist on the same ideas. And that's this. We live today in a world of rapid change, of incredible disruption. You know, we have a war going on in Europe. We have, you know, economic inflation all of a sudden that we didn't have for many years. We have house prices and on top of just barely, you know, staggering our way out of the COVID thing and all of the rest of it. And that gives people, it thrusts people in a leadership role in their own lives to navigate those sudden changes, which could be equivalent to getting promoted from the best in the team to the team leader, which is a whole different pile of stuff. So talk for a minute about the disruption that we see and how this awareness of leadership can translate effectively into an individual self-leadership or family, if you will, but their own leadership in navigating how to think about and navigating the disruptive influences, whether they're economic or whatever they are. Talk a little bit about that. That's a phenomenal question. And, and the way I look at it is that you, you're absolutely right one of the early indicators of leadership is the ability to lead yourself and and allow yourself to follow a plan, follow a vision, be intentional about what you want to do day by day and perhaps even moment by moment. And I think all of those things you mentioned, and I'm, I'm not going to repeat all of them, I, it's, suffice it to say there's a lot. I think on one hand, you can argue all of that is fundamentally noise. So in the effort to lead yourself, you have to go back to, and this goes back to our original discussion about what is your sense of purpose and, and what do you think your place in the world should be? And from that, 
what vision can you create? And back to the question, how do you want to show up? How do you want to show up consistent with that vision? And, you know, if you've got a role as a leader in a family, well, what do you want your family to stand for? What do you want? What kind of values do you want to teach the kids? And all of those questions become part of that greater vision, the big picture that you want to live. And with that, then you let that become the filter by which you look at all this other stuff that's going on and you begin making choices about, does that thing matter? No, turn off the TV. I don't need to listen to that. That's not going to help my cause. That's not going to help my purpose. That's not going to help my vision. Turn it off. Shut it down. I just absolutely love the fact that you labeled Clearly and boldly, all that externality stuff is noise because there is such a thrust on blaming externalities, whether it's this political party, that political party, this radical idea, that radical idea, this is wrong. Everything would be okay except, and then we point to all these externalities and you just called all those things noise. And I actually would agree with you in the con, not, not because they don't affect us, but because, because they do, but in our ability to craft chart a North star, our own journey and everything else through that. So if you, if you start working with a person, wherever the leadership context is, whatever it is they have to lead and they're becoming aware that they have been guided by noise, influenced by these externalities that they can't control anyway. How do you begin to help them uh, both believe that they have the ability and then own the ability to turn off the noise, chart a course and stay true to that. Well, if I may, let me go back to the the job seeker mention of, of 2008, uh, what we were doing with those people. And, and I'll be honest, we didn't even talk about leadership back then, but what we talked about was this, this grounding in your own personal sense of purpose and what does that vision look like and what's it going to take to live that out with your next job opportunity? Then we started, you know, doing the work of saying, okay, if that's who I want to be and what I want to do, where can I do some of that? Where are my opportunities? How can I seek that out? And you, you start laying down a path toward those goals and, and, and fulfillment of that. And, you know, I had people in our organization that came to us, they had lost their job of 10, 15, 20 years, but they chose new paths that were either, if they weren't a severe tangent, they were totally unrelated to where they had come from, but they reignited some desire, some passion, some fulfilling sense of purpose and started down that path. And guess what? You know, the naysayers at the time said, oh, but you've got all those skills that now you're just throwing away. But what was easily overcoming all that was the sheer energy and passion they showed up with when they started coming to job interviews. You could see the fire. You could see the commitment. And and what company owner or boss doesn't want to see a flame, a, a blaze in a candidate that they're talking to, you know? And, Absolutely. 
you you it, it all gets into the question of hiring hiring behavior and training skill and and that stuff is saleable all day long I love hiring behavior and training skill. Whether you're training yourself to do something, you can learn how to do something. If you make a choice about who you're going to be and you adopt the behavior of that beingness, then learning how to do a thing is nothing. I, one of the things I like to say to people is when the want-to gets bad enough, how-tos pop up everywhere. You know. And So I want to ask you and just give you some free reign here. If you had some advice, like this show, advice, experience, a mix whatever strikes you the show's about creating an ultimate life a life you love to get up to every day uh, purpose and prosperity and joy what would you what would you say to people who come to this show for motivation for stories for inspiration with your rich background in history what would you tell us the thing that comes to mind kellen is is the idea of uh, starting with breaking the shackles and we early in the show we talked about the early stage programming you might have gotten the the little voices that got implanted in your head maybe it was your third grade teacher or your 10th grade math coach or those people that said horrible, nasty things about who and what you were, you know, you're not fast enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're you know, all those horrible negative tapes that got embedded in memory. You, you've got to break out of those. You, you, you've got to just burn them. That's the boat that needs to get burned first and get rid of that thinking. Um, I tell a, a very quick story in graduate school. I, I did pursue an MBA and I got, got to graduate school and got near the end of the program and had to sit for an oral exam. And there was a gentleman on my panel that was a finance guru and he thought I had a horrible grasp of financial concept. And he told me at the end, he said, Mr. Thorpe, I'm going to co confer your degree, but you have to make a lifelong pledge to me. And I thought, well, oh, okay, whatever. He said, you have to promise me you will never work in the U.S. banking system. Your, your grasp of finance is lacking, and you're going to have to do a lot of work to do that. And I said, you know, I knew he had absolutely no control over anything I was going to do tomorrow, you know. So I said, okay, I'll do that. Well, what did I do? About a year later, I took a job at a large regional bank and, and opened a 25-year career in financial services ultimately ending in contract work with the FDIC and quite successfully, I might add. So, you know, this guy's attitude about who and what I was meant what? Zero. It meant absolutely zero in the scheme of things. You know, it's funny. One could easily argue that his negative comment to you was the spark that said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go do this thing and you can't make me not. And I'll prove to you that you don't know what you're talking about anyway. So if you think about um, recent client work that you've done, get, tell me a story. Tell me a story about some fairly exciting or profound or dramatic change that to you was really meaningful in the life or heart or context of someone that you've worked with. They went from here to here. Like what happened and what difference did it make for them? Well, gosh, I'm, I'm happy to say there are many, and it's almost hard to pick, but there is one that I'm particularly proud of, and I can't name names or name companies, not. but I can tell the story. 
had a person who was a fairly senior executive already, but still had several rungs further ahead of them on the on the climb. And when I met them, they they professed to have begun the discussion with senior management about promotion opportunity and advancement, et cetera, but it wasn't happening. They were already about a year and a half into what was supposed to be the process, but nothing was happening. So there was climbing and mounting frustration. So we began talking about a number of things, and I proposed that this person, because of their subject matter expertise, begin looking outside the company, not to go find another job, but rather to assert themselves in the industry. And and there's so many easy opportunities to do that. Trade shows and, and professional groups and things constantly have meetings and networking events. So so <clears throat> this person got real excited about that and, and lo and behold started appearing on panels and panels that were populated with very significant players in that industry. I mean, experts from places like MIT and Wharton and the Pentagon and some other, you know, pretty meaningful places. So they were running in pretty rarefied air. Well, those the notice of those events started percolating through social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and other things. And here this person is standing next to you know, some very significant dignitary having spoken on a panel and got a call one day from one of her very senior people in the company and said, hey, looks like you've been rubbing elbows with some pretty big people. Maybe we don't really appreciate what we have here. Let's, uh, let's talk further about what you really want to be doing in your you know, next chapter of your career with us. And all of a sudden, that investment of about 90 days of doing the circuit outside the company got everybody's attention and got her propelled. And, and in a matter of, of weeks, not months, she got the promotion, got the raise, and got all the perks that she had been searching for. So... What a, what a, what a, a fabulous thing. And, you know, it's so much fun. People... It's not often that we don't know what to do. It's that we don't do what we know. And you provided the impetus and the suggestion to get that done. If you had to leave us with something, Doug, that would be as inspiring and loving for people who feel stuck, disempowered, uh, not sure what to do next, but they feel that yearning to grow, to lead, to lead effectively themselves, their teams, their lives. What would be a what would be a final thing that you would tell us to do? And at the same time, I want you after you say that to tell everybody where we can find you, where we can look at your stuff, books that you have, whatever it is that we need to know to find out about all the coolness of Doug Thorpe. <laughs> well, thank you, Kellen. Um, first, let me answer the the front half of that question. My, my, my message to people would be this. You are created for a very divine purpose. And without over-spiritualizing and, and going one way or another in one of the world religions, everyone has a common belief that we are each created for a divine purpose. And your, one of your biggest challenges is to figure that out. And I always hearken to the quote Mark Twain made, there are two important days in a person's life, the day they were born and the day they figure out why. 
So if you have not yet done that work to figure out why, there are many ways to explore that and, and get those answers, many of which are on my website at dougthorpe.com. I've got a lot of reference and resource tabs there. I, I have written five different books that cover a pretty wide range of business thinking, and those are all referenced and available there at the website as well. And my podcast is called Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Uh, Kellen was a really awesome guest on the show. We haven't released his episode yet, but we're going to soon. So um, look forward to that. Doug, thank you for sharing your heart, your hopes, your the work that you're doing, and your beautiful face, if you're watching the video, with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Kellen, and and thank you for the hard work you do and and the uh, encouragement. I'm I'm uh, I'm inspired. Uh, you you told me you're up to almost 800 episodes on your show. I'm I'm not I'm not quite there yet on mine, and have a good way to go to get there. But uh, thank you for that inspiration. You're welcome. Everybody that's watching this or listening, I want you to think about it. Doug's given very practical, common sense, down-to-earth ideas, opportunities, and thoughts. Start with yourself. Ignore the noise and, and get the help you need to grow and have those have the willingness to put yourself out there like the example did of that woman he's worked with. I know because I've done it and because he's done it. If you take advantage of those opportunities, listen to your intuition, find your purpose, and take some action, you can move forward and create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your